Our scripture reading this afternoon is taken from John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. This is a connection with what we confess in our Heidelberg Catechism concerning our creedal confession that Christ Jesus is God's only begotten Son, our Lord. This first chapter really highlights that Christ Jesus was the Word of God, true and eternal God, and that He became flesh to dwell among us, that we can have salvation in Him. I'd like to read together with you the first 18 verses of John 1. This is the Word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thus far from God's holy word, let us now rise together if we are able to sing from Psalm 2, verses 3 and 4. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I bring you the word of the Lord as we summarize it in our confession in the Heidelberg Catechism. This week we will be reading from Lord's Day 13, where we confess that Christ Jesus is called God's only begotten Son and our Lord. So I invite you to open up your book of praises to page 528. I'd like to read together with you these two questions and answers. Why is he called God's only begotten Son, since we also are children of God? Because Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. We, however, are children of God by adoption, through grace, for Christ's sake. Why do you call him our Lord? 
because he has ransomed us, body and soul, from our sins, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. This is what we confess. After this sermon, I invite you to rise with me to sing from hymn 48, stanzas 2 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the year 2017 is drawing to a close. Students have been at school for several months now. The harvest has been gathered in. Fruits and vegetables and crops of all kinds have been displayed at the fall fairs and they've been preserved for meals in the future. Next week, we hope to celebrate Christmas, remembering everything that we've received in Christ, especially in that He has come in the flesh to save us. It's a reason for thankfulness. And it's a wonderful blessing to know that Christ Jesus has come in the flesh. The Son of God became Son of Man, the one through whom and for whom all things were created became a human being. Christmas, when we remember this and we celebrate this humble act, Christ Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, born in Bethlehem to save his people. He became the son of Joseph and Mary that we could all be called the children of God. For Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is at the same time our Lord. And there are actually quite a few different titles for Jesus. And the Catechism spends three weeks discussing his names. First Jesus then Christ, and finally, Son and Lord. And these are the four names for our Savior that we confess in our creed. And they have been selected as unique among the others. And today we deal in our confession on His titles as God's only begotten Son and as our Lord. They speak of our relationship with God, how we are God's children, and how Christ is our Lord. So this week, I bring you the Word of God as we confess it in our catechism with the following theme and points. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our God. We'll see first His identity as God's Son and second, His authority as our Lord. Brothers and sisters, first, Jesus Christ is God. We confess that He is true and eternal God, just like the Father and the Spirit. And John made this perfectly clear right from the very beginning of His Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He wanted to tell it plain. Jesus is God. He is God in every respect. He is from eternity. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. In Philippians 2, we can read how Jesus, although He was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So when we think of the majesty and of the glory and of the might of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we need to apply that to Christ Jesus, not only to the Father, not only to the Spirit. Now in the first century in Israel, to confess Jesus Christ as God was a really big deal. His disciples would confess this a few times in the Gospels. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Son of the living God in Matthew 16. Thomas, upon seeing Christ resurrected, called Him my Lord and my God. This was a big deal because comparing a man to God was blasphemy. It's an act that could lead to death. But the disciples were not wrong in this. For Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's begotten of the Father. And for them to call Him God was not blasphemy. And in Jesus Christ, we call Him that God's only begotten Son. And this is brought out more extensively in the Nicene Creed, which reads, Begotten, not made. When we think of begotten, we can think of a lineage from a father to a son. The one comes from the other. And it seems to imply pre-existence. But this is not what we should be thinking of when we read that Jesus Christ is begotten. Rather, this word speaks about the relationship between father and son, not their order of existence. The son is not made or created. He did not have a starting point in existence. But he is from the Father who is from eternity. Therefore, the Son is also from eternity. He always was, and he always is, and he always will be true God. The Father and the Son are eternally connected in an ever-loving relationship as Father and as Son. And this is also brought out in the way that they act. The Father rules from heaven. And the Son submits to His will. The Father loves His Son and desires His glory to be shown through His actions. And the Son loves His Father and desires His glory by obeying Him. By obeying the Father and by doing His will, the Son gives honor and glory to the Father. And by working the plan of salvation through the Son, the Father honors and gives glory to the Son. By being God, Jesus Christ is eternally connected with the work of God. He is called the Word of God. And this shows God's power. By the Son, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, all things were made. John 1 verse 3 reads, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, came about through the Son. And by Him the Father is also made known to us. He tells us that nobody can come to the Father except through Him. Jesus Christ is God's ultimate revelation to man. In the past, there were only shadows of the salvation that were to come. These shadows were the things seen and revealed by the prophets. But the richness of God's plan of salvation for us, His people, was only made complete In Him, God's Son. And ultimately, by Him, by Jesus Christ, we can come to the Father as we are adopted as sons and daughters for the sake of His blood. 
For because of Christ, we are made the children of God. We are born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man. Brothers and sisters, we are born again of God. Filled with grace and truth. God cares for us and He wants us to grow. He pours out His blessing upon us as His beloved children. And He also disciplines us and refines us with His fatherly hand. Lord's Day 10 speaks of God's providence in both good and bad events. When we stop and reflect and think upon all that God does for us, it's amazing to consider how much we receive from His hand as His children. The things of the world don't matter anymore. It's all in Christ. We're not born of man or of blood or of flesh. They have no power over us. We are not slaves to them, but we are heirs to God. This is an incredible thought that through Christ we can be called the children of God. John 1 verse 12 reads, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. And becoming a child of God brings with it an identity. If we are God's children, we bear His name. And beloved, we identify with who He is. He is all-loving and all-caring. So we no longer need to identify with the things of the world as slaves to the flesh. Getting ahead in life is not the be-all and end-all anymore. Our identity is no longer in what we do or in what people call us. Are we students? Are we workers? Is our identity tied up with our families? If we remove everything else, if we strip everything away, who are you? You are first and foremost a child of God. John 1 verse 12 also shows that this adoption is not for everyone. Only those who repent of their sins and who believe in Him are called the children of God. So you have an identity as God's beloved child. So do not forsake that identity. Do not turn away from your holy God in sin. Cling to Christ and seek your salvation in Him. For His work has adopted you to be God's child. To be co-heirs with Him in eternity. For as the children of God, we are also His heirs. Galatians 4 reads that we are no longer slaves, but sons with an inheritance. Romans 8 tells us that if we accept Christ, we are co-heirs with Him. The same God who rules over heaven and earth and all creatures has made us into His heirs. All that He rules over will one day be ours. Not that He will pass away and leave them to us, for He lives forever. But we will one day rule with Him and have possession of all things. We are called to inherit eternal life and blessed communion with God forever. So this, beloved, is our identity. We are the children of God, the sons and the daughters of the King of Kings. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that has been chosen by God. We are princes and princesses in the most glorious kingdom of all time. 
Think about it. We live in what you could say is the most amazing fairy tale of all. Taken from the gutters of sin and despair, the Prince of Peace has laid his life down for us to make us his own. And because of his love, we are the children of God, the sons and the daughters of the King. And now Christ is coming on the clouds of heaven to rule with us in the greatest and the most beautiful city of all, the new Jerusalem. What Cinderella story compares with that? And Cinderella is just a fairy tale you can watch on the TV. Our fairy tale is no fairy tale at all. It's real life. We are God's children. We are the sons and the daughters of the king. This is who we are. So take comfort, beloved, in your identity as God's children. Jesus Christ is God's son from eternity, and he will be God's son for eternity. And he has a close and an intimate relationship with the Father. And this is a relationship he is willing to share in part with us. And while we will never have the same intimacy as the Father and the Son share, for they are one true eternal God, but we do have the intimacy that being God's children brings. He loves us as His children. He raises us to be His children. This is our identity now. We are not Canadians. We are not Dutch. We are not students or businessmen, or carpenters. We are not hockey players, or fishermen, or crafters, or hobbyists. We are Christians. We are in Christ. We are loved by God, for we love Him, just as He loves us, so much that He died for us, that He paid for us with His blood, and bought us to be our Lord. We'll see that in our second point, his authority as Lord. Brothers and sisters, the catechism rightly begins its answer on Christ's title as our Lord by saying that he has ransomed us. We can think back to the beginning of the catechism. Our comfort is that we are not our own, but that we belong, body and soul, to Christ. We don't belong to anyone else. We don't even belong to ourselves. We belong only to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And this can be a powerful thought, beloved, when we recognize that as His prized possession, He cares for us. He owns us because He has bought us with His precious blood. And what a purchase, beloved. His body and blood on the cross. The very same person who is true and eternal God became a man to sacrifice himself for us. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This is Jesus Christ, son of God, was born a child and became a man to die on the cross. He, who is the fount of life, gave up his life to grant us access to eternal life. Jesus bore the wrath of God against our sins by the eternal power of his divine nature. 
And he did this in his human nature as a man so that he could ransom us and make us his own. He is rightly called the Lamb of God because he has been sacrificed for us. His sacrifice has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins. So when we say that he has ransomed our body and our soul, we say that he has purchased us entirely. There is not one part of us that he does not lay claim to. He is 100% our Savior. He is 100% our Lord. He is our Master. We belong to Him. And therefore, we are called to do as He wills us. Since He has bought us and paid for us with the most expensive purchase in all history, we owe Him everything. He has freed us from the power of sin and Satan, not to do whatever we want, not to succumb back to the power of the flesh. He has freed us to serve in love, just as He has served in love. He has freed us to serve in love, just as He has served in love. And He does this by His Spirit and Word to help us to cling to Him in faith. And these are shown to us in the promises of baptism. And they are realized in our fruitful lives. He promises in our baptism to wash us in His blood from our sins. And He also promises to unite us to Him having freed us from our sins and having made us righteous before God. We are united in Him, the Son of God. Our Lord is our God. Only God can be ruler. And if Christ is to rule, then He must also be God. This is further evidence that Jesus Christ is not mere man, but that He is true and eternal God. And as our God, as our purchaser, as our ruler, He is our Lord. He has authority. He is our master. This means that we are no longer slaves to Satan or to our sins. We have been freed from the power of the devil and have been made into his own possession. This does not mean that Satan is powerless or that sins no longer plague us. We will fight our sinful nature until the day we die. And we must daily pray to the Father to deliver us from the evil one. What it does mean is that Satan has no mastery over us. For only Christ Jesus is our master. We are called to no longer submit to our nature. But we are called to submit to Christ as our master. So therefore, brothers and sisters... Since Christ is our Lord, since Christ is our Master, true and eternal God, what do we owe Him? How are we called to live our lives? If Christ has ransomed us entirely with His precious blood, how do we act? We owe Jesus Christ our obedience and our love. If we are to be completely devoted to Him, just as we have a complete identity as the children of God because of Him, so we have a complete purpose as His possession because of Him.
So beloved, how shall we serve? You have been bought and paid for. So now show your value. Christ has died for you while you were still a sinner. What will you do for him who has already demonstrated his love? We owe him our obedience as our Lord and Master. So submit to his will and live a godly life. Flee from sin in your life. He has ransomed you from sin. Whatever sins remain in your lives need to be removed as they have no authority over you. Repent of them and bow to Jesus Christ as Lord. And this is a commitment that takes over our entire lives, brothers and sisters. Just as our identity is all-encompassing, so too is our service to the Lord. His authority is over every aspect of your lives. It is not just about what you do in the presence of others, but also about what you do when you are alone. Guard yourself from sexual impurity, including pornography. Do not waste the time that the Lord your God has given you, for your time belongs to Him as well. A time of rest or a time of relaxation and leisure is good. But being lazy or throwing away time with countless hours on the computer or on the phone or in front of the TV is not. We owe Him our lives. Commit to Him as your Lord and find ways to serve Him, either at work or at home or at play. Brothers and sisters, Christ Jesus is your God, the Son from eternity. He always was and is and will be forever true and eternal God. So worship Him as your Lord and God. Jesus Christ is also your brother, your co-heir for eternity. Together we will rule with Him as prophets, priests, and kings in the new Jerusalem with an inheritance of eternal life and blessed communion. Take hold of that and begin this in this life. Christ Jesus is your master who bought you for eternity. His precious blood has ransomed you from eternal damnation to be his possession forever. So serve him with gladness as your Lord and as your master. Amen.